Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the OG. I'm John Kearney. I'm Stephen Peters. And uh, we're excited to be back this week. Uh, finally getting on like a weekly, almost weekly schedule. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> um, but uh, this week we have uh, some updates on our WNBA teams that we picked. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball, key baseball relevant. Uh, all-star picks and some big free agent news that's been building for the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as our NBA Finals preview slash post view, I guess, because this will come out after the game. But it'll be fun to see if our predictions are correct. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as our usual segments of Panic Button and Who Cares of the Week. Yeah. So those will be interspersed, and we'll we'll get into that stuff right now. So we're going to start out with Keep Baseball Relevant. And uh, that's going to be a big thing because, you know, All-Star Weekend's coming up. In, uh, what is it, July? Yeah, mid-July. So, you know, we still got a little bit of time, but voting is, is coming down to the wire. It ends uh, June 21st. So if you haven't gotten your ballots in, get your ballots in. Um, but uh, before we get into all-star voting, some two former all-stars just signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, former Cy Young winner in Dallas Keuchel signed with the Braves and, uh, you know, all-time closer, Craig Kimbrell, potentially. Um just signed with the Cubs. So what, what did you think about that, Steve? Uh, well, first off, I think it's about fucking time somebody stepped up and signed <laughs> both of these guys. Like, it was, it's been long overdue. Um, Keiko's a former Cy Young winner. He should have had a contract at the beginning of the season. I think a lot of people just didn't want to give up that compensatory pick. And uh, the Cubs just didn't have the – I mean, they had the money, obviously, to sign Keiko because they still signed him. But mm-hmm. they just didn't want to give him the money right away. They didn't want to give him, like, all he was asking for. And they kind of couldn't because they already have so many people – in huge contracts in Chicago. So it was going to be kind of hard to give him that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was also asking for like a 10 year, hundred million dollar deal. Yeah. And he's like, what? So like he's mid thirties, right? Or you? No, I think he's younger than that, but you can't give any, you can't give a closer a 10 year yeah. deal unless it's Mariano Rivera. And even then you're not going to give him that. Yeah. It's going to be like incremental. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally understand why people were coming from for both of these guys, because they're asking for a little bit above what teams would be willing to give and what they should have known teams would be willing to give. Um, especially with, I mean, Kimbrell had a successful season last year, so he was asking for like the max, of, the maximum of the max. Mm-hmm. But Keuchel has had a, you know a couple down years in a row, and since that Cy Young season, right? And I think him asking for you know a lot of money and a you know six year deal is a little bit ambitious for someone who's had the the last two or three years that he's had. Um. But I'm I'm happy to see him on teams. I'm not happy to see Keuchel in division for me um, because the Mets are going to have to face him a bunch of times once he comes up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's if he's anywhere back to where he was a couple of years ago, it's going to be real tough going for the Mets. I mean, even with, like, the veteran leadership in that clubhouse now, like, that pitching staff mm-hmm. is real young, and they needed that veteran guy who's been to a World Series, won a World Series. Like, he's going to be – very, very incremental with the Braves in their postseason run if they do make the postseason. I think the mm-hmm. Braves really put the pressure on the rest of the NL East like with this signing. But yep. going back to what Keiko, like asking for that money, I think part of the reason could be too is that the league's kind of moving away from like those those crafty guys that just hit spots and um, don't really throw too hard and overpowering. I know Kyle mm-hmm. Hendricks still makes a living off it. There's still pitchers in the league that makes a, make a winning off of it or make a living off of it. And... <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that's mainly mainly the reason why he didn't get exactly what he was asking for. 
But I mean, he's also not deserving of it based on like his last two seasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he had, I mean, he's also a part of a staff that was, you know, top heavy. Yeah. It was Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, um, Morton and himself were like the top three. Charlie Morton was in there too. Yep. But I mean, he and he and Dallas Keuchel were pretty much like neck and neck in that division, that uh, rotation, rotation yep. for the uh, for that three or four spot. So, I mean, like going back to last year, he had actually a decent year, but you have to consider the team that he was on. He had a two nine ERA and went fourteen and five. Yeah. So I mean, he that's decent, but it's not. For me, it's not enough as a third starter on the best team in baseball in the AL, aside from the Red Sox, um, to give him that deal, especially as someone that throws, you know, 90 miles an hour tops, um, like you were saying. So I think that the the style of the league is definitely changing. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm, I I love Dallas Keuchel. I think he's great. I love the the crafty lefty kind of thing that he has going for him. Yeah, it's good to see that guy still makes a living in the MLB. Can still find a team. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's nice to see that he didn't have to shave his beard and ended up in uh, New York with the Yankees. Dude, that would have sucked. I fucking awful. hate that rule. For... That's part of the reason the Yankees suck. <laughs> fucking bullshit. Shave your beard. You're not a Yankee if you don't. If you don't, you're not clean shaven. Like what? What is this? 1937. Yeah. I mean, that's when they were winning all their championships. Yeah, based the majority of them, yeah. Exactly. Uh, we have 27 world championships. We have like a 40-year head start on every other team in baseball, so. Yeah. Um, it's ridiculous. But, but um, Craig Kimbrell, too. You know, yeah, I mean, Kimbrell, I think, is a good signing for the Cubs. But I, don't, I still don't know if the Cubs' rotation is solid enough to get them anywhere. Okay, I kind of see this as the Cubs becoming true frontrunners in the Central. And act, like actual World Series contenders, because I think the Cubs' biggest weakness was their bullpen. And I know one arm's not going to prove it, but they have a ninth mm-hmm. inning guy that you can rely on night in and night out. And yeah. obviously, like, um, uh, like blown saves do happen every now and then. I think mm-hmm. Craig Kimbrell is going to be like a great factor in that back end of the bullpen. Yeah, I think it's good. It's nice to have him who throws, you know, 100 and Carl Edwards Jr. Right? This is yeah, Carl Edwards Jr. Um, he uh he throws 102, so that's a nice setup to setup punch kind of thing. Right. Um, real quick, I just wanted to correct myself. I forgot that this wasn't 2018. So Kimbrel had a 3.74 ERA la- or uh, Keuchel had a 3.74 ERA last year. 2017 was a 2.9, and 2016 was a 4.5. Oh wow! So it's been kind of up and down, like yeah. a rocky go over the last three years. Only one really solid season. What was his ERA last uh, year? Uh, three seven four. Okay, but like if he's so, I'll, we'll round up. That's not bad. Well, yeah, we'll round up That's to four. Bad. Like with the Braves' offense, if he can give like, um, let's see, six innings, seven innings, three runs, two runs, mm-hmm. like I I feel like that's a good start. And like I'm not talking quality starts because I hate that like kind of like narrative, but if he can go six or seven, give up two or three, I think that's going to be really good for the Braves. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be great for them, especially in a division where the Phillies aren't necessarily solidifying themselves. Yeah, um, The Mets are a dumpster fire, as per usual, mm-hmm. um, yeah. refusing to spend the money on the pitching they desperately did need. Did you see what Joe Girardi said, or did you hear what Joe Girardi said? No, I didn't. So he, I, I saw something about it, but I didn't actually watch it. Yeah, he was on, uh, I guess, Fox, and he was talking about, like, the uh, the Mets and like what the real problem with them is. He was like, they got the pieces in like in every like aspect. They got the relievers, they got the starters, they got the the offense for it. 
but they just need consistency out of all their pieces. And I couldn't agree with, like more with what he was saying. And it, the cap, the caption was like, does, "Does this seem like Joe Girardi wants to uh, manage the Mets?" And <laughs> that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. That'd be real. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be great because then if you led them to a World Series and they won, it would be like a big fuck you to the Yankees, which would be great because they fired him for no reason. Yeah, man, literally had them at two years ahead of schedule. Well, it's because of the analytics, which is bullshit. Yeah. If he gets you there two years early, and you're firing him after that. Mm-hmm. He gets you to the ALCS. My thing is give him another year, see what happens, and then go. Exactly. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I, I never understood that move by Cashman and the ownership group. It's so stupid. Well, my, my thing is they probably didn't want to – Joe Girardi probably wouldn't have wanted a one-year deal because I think he was – like, his contract was completely up. It wasn't like a – they could – No, he probably wouldn't have, but he had earned a multi-year deal. Yeah. That's my point, is that, like, he took a team – and they were never really, like, terrible, terrible. They it's were, the like, Yankees mediocre they're always, for the Yankees. They're always going to be good in something. Yeah. Like, decent. Um, but I mean, like, when they fired him, I was just so confused. And then they went with Aaron Boone, which is, like, a weird pick. And it's kind of been really up and down for them. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, last year they had a good run into the playoffs, but that was a lot of, you know, their the fact that they could hit mm-hmm. anything. Anyone and anything. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would be happy to see Joe Girardi come into the Mets organization in some capacity. Um, but I mean, and total like a little bit of a tangent, but you were saying like, cause of the analytics, they fired him. And I think that's part of the problem with analytics is like, if you're winning, why does it matter if they use more or less analytics yeah. as long as you're winning? Yeah. It doesn't make any no, sense. I, can, I agree with that. Um, so, I mean like the, the prime, like the, the constant example of like analytics is like Moneyball. Mm-hmm. And the A's weren't winning. Yeah. Or they were winning, but then they decided to go away from that because they had a down year and they lost a bunch of pieces in free agency. Mm-hmm. So they went with like this new, like this nuanced way and it worked for them, mm-hmm. but not really because they didn't actually win anything. Yeah. I mean, you know it's, I mean? I th- like, it's tough for small market teams like that, though. Like, how often do you see a small market team like actually winning uh, World Series? I mean, how, how small do you consider small market? St. Louis. I don't consider that small. I feel um, like it's a bigger baseball. Market. I would say Kansas City was the last one. I mean, even Houston. Like, Houston isn't a big market. It's one of the bigger cities in the U.S., though. Yeah, but it's just because it's in Texas. It's not like a market. But it's not like a market. You know what I mean? Ah, like, yeah. they didn't – it's not – they're all self-built. Well, yeah, they're, they're self-built, so that's a little different. With the exception of the trades for Verlander and Cole, which are huge trades. Yeah. But also, like, everyone else in there in that organization is – From there. Or, and, and, Redick, organization. and Redick, too. Yeah, but Redick isn't a huge part of that team. He's like their seven hitter. Yeah. They're, speaking of the Astros, they've been killing it lately. And Altuve's been out. Springer's been out. Did Correa come back yet? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, and like they're still winning. Everything. Or he did, and then he got hurt again. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Bregman's been killing it. Brantley's been hot as hell. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. They they just plug and play. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool to see them be good. And also, they just brought up their uh... – that top prospect, the uh, let's see, oh, uh, Alvarez. Yeah, he's he went yard his first at bat and yeah, not, like yard by a long shot. It was like four twenty. Yeah, no, he he crushed mm-hmm. it. Um, so I mean, the fact that they and they still have uh, Forrest uh, Whitley, right? Yeah, that's his name. But he was banned, wasn't he, for eighty games? I think so. Yeah, yes, PED stuff. Still though, like I mean, yeah. natural talent is natural talent. Exactly. 
Um, so, I mean, they still have prospects that are just, like, waiting in the wings, which is insane. Yep. But, uh, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you are terrible for, like, 30 years. You rack up those picks, and eventually something turns into them. Yeah. Or someone turns into something. Yeah, but, you got to uh, embrace the suck. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, anyway, so, if you want, we can move on to our uh, MLB All-Star ballot. Just give me one more thing to say. Yes. My poor Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, RIP in peace to the ACL. Oh, it's so tough. It was such a, it's such a, that's like the worst play to do it on too. Like he was getting out of that rundown and just, yeah. his foot locked up a little bit. Can't trust Nike. Yeah, definitely <laughs> Nike. Nike's the issue. It's definitely Adidas, number one. Adidas is the one they got, that does it. Secretly, they tampered with the shoe. That's what <laughs> happened. It's like Zion. Like, they tampered with the Kyrie mm-hmm. so that Zion blew through it, and he wouldn't want to wear Nikes. But, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, it was it was sad to see that happen, yeah. kind of end the season that way, especially because he was having one of his better seasons in a few He years. was on pace to, like, lead the Phillies or organization in walks. It, or He was on pace to lead the MLB in walks. It would have been the first time, like, Phillies player did that since, like, the 80s. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's insane. He was having like he wasn't hitting great, but like he was getting on base, he was scoring runs, he was playing good defense. But Jay Bruce looks like a good piece for them. Yeah, that's really fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a stat today that was uh, Jay Bruce's numbers and Robbie Cano's numbers compared on the same day, uh, one year apart, and they're almost identical. Yikes! Average home runs, RBIs. Yikes! Almost identical. It's the saddest <laughs> thing you'll ever see. Um, and Jared Kalenic continues to rake in the minors. So, you know, I digress. But anyway, all-star ballot. Yep. Uh, most wonderful time of the baseball year outside of October. Uh, home run derby is always awesome. Mm-hmm. And we might see two uh, New York stars in the home run derby. Ooh. With Pete, Pete Alonzo said he wanted to do it, and Luke Voigt said that he wanted to do it, and that he had a pitcher all picked out. Ooh. I kind of so, I kind of hope I see Yelich in it, too. Oh, yeah, just for the uh, the part of my oh, take. Oh, yeah. Uh, that going down. Oh, yeah. But we won't get into the particulars of that on our <laughs> yeah. show. But, but, and I say this literally, but... <laughs> um, if you haven't if you haven't found out, Barstool Sports, uh, pardon my take, Big Cat and PFT have a bet with Christian Yelich. Check that out for yourselves if you if you so choose, mm-hmm. um, and see what what's riding on this game. Oh yeah, and what uh, what they might have to do. So, uh, Alonzo Voigt, Yelich would be cool, and uh, someone else said that they wanted to do it too, and I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, oh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Ooh, that would be a great be big four. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to see that shit. Um, honestly, I might have my money on Vlad. Yeah, just because, just because of what I've seen him do from the age of like fifteen <laughs> off a of tee. Oh yeah, like <laughs> I can't imagine, and, and even like BP just uh, going placata as he says, mm-hmm. uh, as he says. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, all right, so we're gonna start off first base. Um, we're going to do both the American and National League at once. Mm-hmm. So I picked Carlos Santana from the American League and Pete Alonso from the National League. Um, Santana is having one of the better seasons of his career, uh, at least in recent years. He's hitting 285, 12 home runs, 40 RBIs, and a 912 OPS, uh, which is pretty darn good, especially when you play for the Indians. So um, 
you know, while, while his team has struggled, he has had a, a solid year at first base uh, after a down year with the Phillies last mm. year and a couple of years where he was just kind of lost. Um, and then Alonzo, for me, it was more like a, he's my favorite player. I had to – or like he's my favorite player on the Mets at least. Um, so I had to go with him. Um, 258 average, not great, but for a first baseman, rookie year, not terrible either. Uh, 21 home runs. He's he's up there for the league lead. He's close. Uh, 46 RBIs and a 934 OPS, which I think – so in my head, I have the top three first basemen in the National League as Alonzo, Freeman, and Josh Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's kind of a toss-up for who you want out of those three. Um, so I know you have thoughts on this as well. Yeah, of course. Um, so with my picks, I try to balance, like, the star – potential of like the players and also like the actual um, production. Cause like you want the all-star game to have the best players and the people that are doing the best right now. We also want to mm-hmm. have the big names in it. So it actually draws some attention to the casual fans. Like a casual fans mm-hmm. not going to come see like um, he's actually on my list, but like Tommy LaStella, like he, he's not, they're not going to be like, Oh, Tommy LaStella. I can't wait to see him play second base. They're going to be like, no, I, <laughs> I want to see, I want to see Jose Altuve. I want to see, um, Baez, I want to see like the, the big stars. I mean, Baez is a shortstop now, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I went with Luke Voigt for my first baseman from the American League. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He's batting 263, 15 homers, 41 RBIs, and 879 OPS. This could very well be where Santana is because each team does need an all star mm-hmm. and representing them in um, the all star game. And the since it's in Cleveland, Cleveland will probably have a few. So I can see Santana yep. making it regardless, like even if he's not starting. Um, and then for the National League, I went with Josh Bell. Um, 325 average, 18 homers, 50, 57 RBIs, and a 1055 OPS. Like he's been having an absurd year. It's great mm-hmm. to see him finally come into his own. He had a really good rookie year. The problem was his rookie year was the same year Bellinger had his rookie year. So it kind of <laughs> got like um, thrown behind like the shadow because Bellinger was just out of this world. So – it's good to see he had a little bit of a sophomore slump too. It's good to see him come back and like actually be producing this year. It's just tough that the Pirates refuse to spend any money on their offense and kind of hope mm-hmm. that their pitching and defense will hold hold up. Um, that's kind of just a personal random mind, but that's uh, beside the point. Yeah, I mean Josh Bell was really like if I was picking based on like pure stats, I'd probably go with Josh Bell, mm-hmm. um, but also. I think uh, – I, I mean, really, it's it's up to, you know, it's going to be – they're going to have three first basemen. So I think if it's all three of the guys that I listed previously, and obviously both of our guys have potential to start, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be happy either way, honestly. I, I'd love to see Josh Bell hit absolute ding-dongs mm-hmm. uh, in the All-Star game. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be uh, great. Hopefully. So, uh, second second base. Do you want to start with this one? Sure. Um, going back to the star second baseman, I probably went the exact opposite direction with both of my picks here. So I went Tommy Lestella in the American League for the Angels. He's been in three fifteen with fifteen homers, thirty nine RBIs, and a nine twenty OPS. Probably the only mm-hmm. other offensive player other than Mike Trout actually doing something. Um, it's kind of good to see. Kind of wish the Angels would invest more around Mike Trout, but. That's neither here nor there. And then Mike Moustakis for the National League I went with. Um, 275, average 20 homers, 43 RBIs, and a 930 OPS. Um, mm-hmm. He's having a really good year. 
I can't believe he's listed as a second baseman because he could not move in Kansas City as a third <laughs> baseman. Probably still can't move in Milwaukee. That's just absurd to me. But, I mean, he's having a really good year. It's good to see. Um, I can see him representing the Brewers. Absolutely. I I also have Moustakis, so I'm not going to – for the same reasons that you picked him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just kind of overwhelming in most categories, especially for a second baseman uh, in this day and age. So, you know, you kind of said all there is to say about Moustakis. Mm-hmm. Um, still salty that the Mets didn't sign him last year. Yeah, two years ago. should be. But, uh, you know, that aside, uh, I have DJ LeMahieu okay. for uh, the AL. I mean, he's literally the most clutch player in baseball right now. He's hitting above 500 with runners in scoring position. He's hitting 321 just as an average, seven home runs, 41 RBIs, 835 OPS, and didn't even start to begin the season. Mm -hmm. Didn't even play to begin the season. Mm -hmm. Was mostly a spot guy. So, um, you know, with all the injuries that the the Yankees have faced, he's made it almost impossible to take him out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, Which I think is deserving of recognition um, on baseball's biggest stage. So, uh, LeMahieu, I hope you take off with that. Also, another guy that the Mets should have signed. <laughs> um, I mean, really, you could just play a game with almost every player who's potentially an all-star um, for people the Mets could have signed and chose not to and trade away all their young, young players. But anyway, <laughs> um, so... Uh, Let me just say something about DJ real quick. I've liked him since he was on the Rockies, and I, w- yeah. I wanted to put him here. But mm-hmm. I, I did want to get um, Tommy Lestella in it, and I still wanted to get a Yankee in my lineup. That's kind of when I went Luke Voigt. I was going to go with Jose Abreu, but I, I ended up deciding on Luke Voigt. I think, um, you, again, like that's another one. You can go either way with it. Luke, if you go with Tommy Lestella, great. If you go with DJ LeMahieu, great. They're not the wow factor you're going to want in an all-star game, but there's going to be plenty of pieces in there mm-hmm. too. So, Yeah, so, I mean, third base – um, I picked Bregman and Arenado. Yep, same way. Um, I, Matt Chapman was a close second for the AL mm-hmm. for me. There was no close second in the National yeah. League for me. Uh, I mean, Aaron, I mean, who are you going to say? I was going to say Rundown. He's having a really good year, too. Yeah, but he doesn't compare. Arenado's the best defensive third baseman outside of Chapman, probably. And the wow factor you get from Arenado as opposed to Rundown is just not even close. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's just a bigger-than-life kind of star in the MLB. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I mean, and I'm not even an Arenado guy. I was I was big-time off the train mm-hmm. for years um, just because everyone, like, hyped up how good he was on defense, and then every time they would play the Mets, he would make error after error after <laughs> error. And those were his only errors of the year, but that was what I saw as a kid. So it was like, I don't know what everyone's talking about. He fucking sucks. But, um <laughs> You know, I'm I, I'm happy to have him on my ballot. There's really no one. I, Chris Bryant, I was hoping would would kind of come in, come up second for me, and he just didn't. Um, you know, he wasn't even really close. So, like you said, I guess Rendon was the only other one that was close, but mm-hmm. Arenado was kind of far and away my pick. Right. And then Bregman, Bregman and Chapman. What it came down to was the uh, the hitting numbers for me. Okay. So, I mean, Bregman's hitting 272 with 18 home runs and 44 RBIs and 934 OPS on the hottest team in baseball. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, Chapman, while his defense is just uh, something that you can't really describe. Yeah. Um, he's, he's almost like Machado, but like a less flashy Machado. And a more likable Machado. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't even say that, though. I, I think, I mean, I, I don't really put personality into it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying, like, 
just like the way that they feel their position. Machado is very almost like Robbie Cano early in his career. Like he makes everything look so easy. Right. That it's almost annoying. <laughs> because it's like, oh, he's just like he's like lackadaisical with it. Right. But really he's not. He's just so smooth that it looks perfect. Exactly. Like it looks like there's something wrong with it. Right. Whereas Chapman, while I'm not saying that he's not, he doesn't do everything well and he doesn't make things look easy. He just does it in a different way. It's a lot more like Whereas Machado is more finesse, I feel like Matt Chapman is like a power defender. Like, it's hard dives, hard throws. And Machado obviously has a cannon. But it's a, it's a different type of thing to watch if you put him side by side. Yeah, Chapman was – so Chapman's like the only player in the athletic system that kind of defied all of their scouts' analytic rules. Like, he didn't have the numbers that, like, the athletics really wanted. But the scouts were like, we need this guy. And he, he's really showing, like, why they needed him because he's been playing unbelievable. But Yeah, and, I mean, he has 16 home runs and over 30 RBIs, but he's hitting 260. Yeah. And that's, so that was why I kind of dropped him below break. Right, that makes sense. And the only one I kind of kept close to was um, Vladdy Jr., just mm-hmm. because of the wow factor. Because, like, yeah, the name. Yeah, that's the kind of player you want in the All-Star game to draw attention, to sell tickets, because I know that's been a problem for, the, um, for Cleveland. Because you got to buy a ticket for not only the All Star Game, but like your ticket is for every single event. So you got to go to. Mm-hmm. It's like for the Futures Game. It's for the Home Run Derby. It's for the Softball Game and the All Star Game. And they're starting like way too high for people to actually pay, especially in Cleveland, which is kind of mm-hmm. like a really blue collar city. So yeah, yeah. I mean that's that was who I had. I, I mean I still have, I still went with Bregman and Arenado though, for the exact same reasons you did. So. Um, so shortstop, who did you take? Okay, so this one was close at um, in the American League for me between mm-hmm. Tim Anderson and um, Jesus. I'm losing it right now. I don't remember. I can't remember right now. But it was between. I went with Tim Anderson just because of the wow factor. This guy's been all over Twitter, all over social media since the beginning of the season with his bad flips and everything. Um, mm-hmm. and he's just been playing out of his mind. So I, I had to go with Tim Anderson. Oh, Corey Polanco. That's who I almost went with because he's having an okay. absurd season. But I went with Tim Anderson in the American League. and the National League, Javi Baez, he's having a great year. 299, 16 homers, 44 RBIs, and a 914 OPS. And mm-hmm. he's a wild factor too. He's great defensively. He's a huge name, especially in the Midwest with the Chicago market. I think yep. you can't go wrong with Tim Anderson and Javi Baez. I actually made the same picks. Um, I think Tim Anderson's had like a breakout year. He's again, like you said, the wow factor for both of these guys. Honestly, Javi Baez is unbelievable to watch. He's so much fun. The no look tags. Mm -hmm. I mean, sliding past the bag and then grabbing it is just like insane. Um, But uh, I think both of these guys are great picks because people are actually going to tune in to see them particular, like in, in specific. Um, So, uh, or in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's not really much more to say about either of them. I mean, everybody knows about Tim Anderson this year because of, you know, the quote-unquote antics, as some uh, baseball old heads will call it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he, he embraces that role of, like, almost the villain. Um, but almost like a villain who's trying to do good yeah. <laughs> um, for, the, for the sport, making it more interesting. So, Tim Anderson, thank you for keeping baseball relevant. Oh, yeah, big time. You're, you're the GOAT for that. And Javi Baez, too, honestly. Yeah, they both kind of um, have that flash about them. <laughs> yeah. um, so, catcher, 
we we had a little bit of disagreement before the show here, so we we tried to hold off talking about it so that we could get it on air. Um, so I picked Gary Sanchez and Wilson Ramos. Um, Sanchez is, you know, still mediocre behind the plate from a fielding perspective, mm-hmm. but he has one of the be- probably the best arm behind the plate right now. Um, maybe maybe Yachty still has him, but. I'm not really positive about that. He he has an absolute hose. Uh, he has he's also hitting 260, which is for him compared to last year a huge step up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has 19 home runs, 37 RBIs, and a 958 OPS. Um, you know he's really had a great season so far. And then Ramos, uh, you know people kind of sleep on him because he's not he plays every most days, but certain like Degrom and Syndergaard both generally pitch to Tomas Nito. Um, but that's dating back to last year, so you know it's not really necessarily out of the ordinary. Um, but he's hitting 280 right now, which for a catcher is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually they're you know more middle of the pack, like 250 guys. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, at least, uh, he's hit seven home runs and 30 has 34 RBIs with a 776 OPS. So not mind blowing stats, mm-hmm. but I think his value behind the behind the dish is actually more more understated than it should be. So I went with a guy in the same division. I went with. Uh... Uh, JT Romuto. The only mm-hmm. stat that Ramos hasn't beat in is average. He's batting 274. He has 10 homers, 36 RBIs, and 787 OPS. They're very close. Right. So it can yeah, go very, very neck and neck. So, I mean, again, with catchers, a lot of them kind of clump together. So you got to go with wow factor and you got to go with um, kind of just stats and who you want to see there. Mm-hmm. I know the, the Phillies do need a representative in the All Star game. I can see it being a reliever or starter. It could be like Aaron Nola or like one of their like one of their fire throwers. But I think JT is going to be that guy. Hopefully Harper's not because he's not having a great year. Um, maybe Hoskins, maybe Segura can be there. But mm-hmm. I went with JT just to have that because I I know the Mets will still have Degrom. Like he'll still be in it. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe even Syndergaard. Maybe DS. DS has been definitely definitely not Syndergaard for sure. Oh yeah, he's having a tough year. And honestly, probably not Degrom. Degrom shouldn't be an All Star this year. Yeah, as of right now, as of right now. We'll I mean, there's still another month to see, but um, based on how he's pitched, it's just been too up and down, too inconsistent. Right. Um, and Syndergaard had a five, almost five ERA uh, up until two starts ago. That's true. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of tough to justify. Yeah. And Diaz, Diaz has been okay. Um, but, I mean, with Jordan Hicks in the NL, I think it's going to be tough for him to get that closer spot. Yeah. Um, or that relief, relief, relief pitcher spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, moving on to the outfield. Wait, wait, wait. I got to get my actually, American League catcher. Oh, yeah, yeah. So right, you're going to probably hate my pick. But I went with Omar Narvaez in Seattle. Why? Why? The main reason why, I'll tell you, is because whenever I played – I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> whenever I played Diamond Dynasty, before I had Salvador mm-hmm. Perez, Omar Narvaez was my catcher, and he – absolutely raked for me. He was a bronze catcher. Nobody believed in him. He hit like 360 for me. And he's not even doing that bad in the actual game either because he's batting 275. He has nine homers, 23 RBIs, and an 803 OPS. I couldn't bring myself to picking two Yankees, and I needed the catcher, and I saw him. He had a, He's having a good year, probably one of the better years as an AL catcher. So I went with him. That was my pick. All right, it makes me a little sad that you based your pick off of Diamond Diamond Dynasty, but that's fine. It's very just. Um, <laughs> um, 
But uh, I think that's a solid pick. I mean, Seattle always has these random people that just kind of pop out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, a couple of years ago, it was uh, Ben Gamble yep. had like a crazy year. Um, so, uh, solid picks all around, I think. You know, Never done. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and then outfield. So, or actually, let's do designated hitter first just because it's a one, one spot, and then we'll finish with the last six spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I picked J.D. Martinez. Which is to me just a clear choice. Yep. There's no other DH that's listed as a DH at least because I think Edwin Encarnacion was was listed as a first baseman, and I feel like if he was listed as a DH, I might have picked him. Mm-hmm. But because he's not, I I didn't pick him. Um, so uh, JD Martinez, what can you really say? I mean, last year he he was the AL MVP. Oh, no, Mookie Betts was the AL MVP mm-hmm. last year, but JD almost had a triple crown. Right. Um, so. You know, uh, it was kind of a toss-up, but this year not a, not as great of a season. Two ninety-six with uh, twelve home runs and thirty-three RBIs and eight ninety-nine OPS. Solid numbers, especially for a DH. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's not many people that are better right now. So, yeah, I mean, those are very solid numbers. Um, and again, going back off name value, like seeing Just Dingers in the lineup, seeing him for Boston <laughs> fans, like he's going to be a great attraction for the All Star game. Mm-hmm. So for sure. Um. So, outfield, do you want to do this one first? Sure. Um, so, American League, I went with two um, people that are having really good years, Mike Trout, obviously, and Austin Meadows, who's ridiculous. He's been 346, 12 home runs, 38 RBIs, and a 1046 OPS. And Trout's 296 average with 17 homers, 42 RBIs, and a 1096 OPS. So, him and Listella coming out of Los Angeles for the Angels, I think are going to be the two guys – in the All-Star game. And, I mean, Trout's still the biggest name in baseball, even though he's not the biggest name for the world in baseball. He's still the biggest name in the sport. For even even mm-hmm. the casual fans, like, you know who Mike Trout is. And he's yeah. going to sell tickets. And then my third one is another guy who's going to sell tickets just because of the wow factor of what he can do in a game. And I went with Byron Buxton. He's been 270. He has eight home runs, 36 RBIs, and an 853 OPS. But he's also leading the league in doubles. Like, he's his speed is on another level, like – He's the fastest guy in the MLB. He's great defensively. You never know when he's going to steal a base. He turns singles into doubles constantly. Like, he's going to be great in the All-Star game if he can get some bat on the ball. Mm-hmm. And then with the National League, again, two front runners in the National League for the MVP, Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger. Yelich is batting 340 with 24 homers, 53 RBIs, and 1191 OPS. And that's just stupid. And then you look at Cody Bellinger's stats, which is just as good, 355 average. 20 home runs, 54 RBIs, and 1142 OPS. It is June 10th, and these guys already have <laughs> 50 RBIs. That's absurd. And Yelich has 24 home runs, and he hit, mm-hmm. he's hit like, I think, 70-something in um, Milwaukee and like 800 at-bats. And Yeah, it, over his last 162, he has like 54 home runs. That's just bonkers. And then with my third pick, I kind of went with another wow factor guy who's going to really bring our sell tickets and Ronald Cooney Jr. So he's been 279. He's got 14 home runs, 41 RBIs, and an 845 OPS. But just the flashiness of Ronald Cooney Jr., he's a young star in the league. He, you're going to attract the young fans with him. I think he's kind of good for the All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I we have some of the similar, some similar picks, uh, both Yelich and Bellinger, and I also picked Trout and Buxton. Um but where we differ is our, is that third spot. Um, 
I picked George Springer okay. um, for the AO. Uh, I know you picked Meadows, but I, I went with Springer. He's hitting 308 with 17 home runs and 43 RBIs and a 1.032 OPS, um, which is, again, like just below Meadows and also just below Trout. Um, he has more RBIs, the same amount of home runs, and a better average. Um, so despite some injury concerns, he still played a decent amount of games um, and clearly put up the numbers despite the injuries. Um, and then in the NL, I picked Jeff McNeil, hometown yeah, hero. Okay. Um, he's hitting 335. Um, only, you know, only not as flashy, not as flashy as a pick as a Kenya Jr. Mm-hmm. But the way that he played, I mean, you know, that whole time that Bellinger was hitting almost four or, or over 400, McNeil was hitting 365 and 370. So it just got swept under the rug because Bellinger was having such an insane start to the season. And Yelich as well. Um, so the fact that he's up there in the NL in average um, as a guy that was unheralded, came up last year as a 26-year-old rookie and just refuses to stop hitting. Um, you know, kind of the same vein as like a Daniel Murphy for the Mets. When he first came up, it was that you didn't know where he was going to play in the field, but you knew he was going to hit. And it was kind of the opposite for Jeff McNeil. They knew that he could play the field a little bit. They didn't know where, and they didn't know how well he would play at the major league level, but they knew he would hit somewhat. Okay. And he's expl- like blown up all those expectations. He plays every position that you could want him to play second, third left field center, right. Doesn't matter where you put him. He's going to play there and do it well and, you know, do it efficiently. Even if he hasn't played the position much at all before. Um, and you have to keep him in the lineup because he's have he has an, o- an 866 OPS, you know, uh, he's a top of the order kind of guy. And, uh, I think he should be rewarded for his hard work and the work that he put in, you know, every off season and in the minors to get to where he is now as, you know, an older guy that's doing this while there's so many young stars in the league. Yeah. I mean, those two pictures you can't go wrong with, I mean, George Springer, he's been great. Um, again, the Astros are the hottest team in baseball, like, that's going to be a good pick no matter what. And Jeff McNeil is absurd. I, I was kind of shocked that he listened to him as an outfielder, but I guess he does play most of his games out there. Um, yeah, he's, he, he just does not stop hitting. Mm-hmm. And, again, like you said, like not as flashy as a Cooney Jr., but still a very good quality pick for the All-Star game. Welcome to Who Cares of the Week. This is uh, another recurring segment on the OG. Uh, this week, we Steve and I have both chosen the same uh, Who Cares of the Week. So I'm going to let him uh, start and get into what he wants to talk about first. So go ahead, Steve. Yeah. Um, hey, Mad Bum, who cares, all right? So <laughs> if anyone doesn't know, on Sunday, Mad Bum didn't get a call on the outside corner against Kike Hernandez. Didn't like the call. Let the umpire know about it. He said um, – he told Bruce Bochy to like, control Mad Bum because he wasn't dealing with the shit today. And then about three pitches later, or four pitches later, I should say, Max Muncy on the Dodgers took Madison Bumgarner super deep into the McCovey Cove. Um, and Max Muncy, you know, watched it a little bit. He pimped it. It's a new thing. It's not a new thing, but it's a, it's part of the game to the, in this day. And I mean, he's one of the few people that's headed into the Cove. Yeah, exactly. And that was an absolute bomb. Like, it, it, it was a no-doubter. He has the right to look at it, but Madison Bumgarner's like, you know what? No, you don't have the right to look at my home run. Shut up, start running, and get to first base. And Max Muncy said, if you don't want me to look at it, go get it out of the ocean, which I think is the funniest thing in the world to say to Gaffer hitting an absolute dick bomb off a pitcher. But <laughs> um, 
you Madison Bumgarner, who cares? You got to get over it. It's part of the game today. Like, I know it's part of your pride. Like, you don't want to see people pimp home runs off you. But you just can't start arguing and yelling at people every single time they do it. Because they're just going to keep doing it. So just get with yeah. the program. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, my, my thing was, like, you just kind of look like a baby mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're yelling at someone as they're running the bases. And this isn't the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's done it to multiple people over the years. Carlos Gomez, I want to say, comes to mind. Puig. Yep, that's a big one. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so dumb. Like, what are you doing? It, like, if you're going to get upset about it, hit them. Mm-hmm. I'd rather you hit them than, than, like, throw a tantrum because someone watched a 480-foot home run. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so dumb to me. And I don't understand why, why like, you care. Like, you've given up home runs before. Mm-hmm. You know, and although the one thing that I do agree with what he said was everyone wants people to play the game they want to, the way they want to play it. Well, that's the way that I play the game. So let me play it the way I play and I'll let him play it the way he plays. But this, this is what's going to come of that. And I think that's a good point is that it shouldn't be like expecting everyone to adapt to something like this. That's like obviously trying to change the culture of baseball. But at the same time, some people don't want to change. So just leave them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if he's going to get mad at it, that's fine. Let him get mad at it. Don't, like, belittle him because he gets mad that he gave up a home run. He takes it out on a player that watches. And, you know, some guys want to have more fun with it. Some guys want to have, like, the professional approach. Yeah. And I think that's that's really where the the discord is. But I don't think either way is right or wrong. I just think it should be to each their own. Let people play their own game. And if there's arguments over one person's way to play it and the others, then that's just the way the game is supposed to go. It adds to the competition. It adds to the fire in the series. Uh, as if the Giants and the Dodgers ever needed more fire, they would beat the shit out of each other's fans. Um, so, I mean, I, I just don't understand why it was such a big deal that he was yelling at him. But also, I don't know why he was even caring that much. It was a home run in, like, the fourth inning. It was the first inning. It was No, the first inning. It was yeah, exactly. literally, like, the, the seventh pitch of the game. Like, Yeah, exactly. Um, like, why do you even care that much? The pimp, I still I, I still stand by my point that I think the um, pimping home runs really helps bring more fans into the game of baseball because it, ca- it it creates a little more excitement. So like, and, but also at the same time, like rivalries like the Do- Giants and Dodgers one right now, Madison Bumgarner, well, Madison Bumgarner versus everybody is a huge rivalry. So I mean, like it's it's good to see, it's good to see that. So um, I guess just let them be them, let them fight, and then like. Let's see the bench is clear. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it brings it brings more people interest mm-hmm. um, because you know when you anytime you see an argument or a fight in sports, you automatically tune in. Right. So, um, you know, I think that's it's a good for it's a good thing for the sport, and it's fine that people have can have differing opinions mm-hmm. about how to play a game. You know, um, I feel like it's an analogy for life that sometimes people have different opinions, and it doesn't mean that they have to change necessarily to suit your opinions. Yeah. So. I think that's it's good to just leave it alone and let people think the way that they want and play the way that they want. Right. But there shouldn't be one right way or one wrong way. Wrong way. It's a game. Yeah. At the end of the day, Mad Bum, who cares? And everyone telling Mad Bum to suck it up, who cares? Yeah, exactly. It's the ultimate who cares of the week. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a double-edged who cares. It really is. <laughs> so this is make WNBA, make the WNBA relevant for the first time. <laughs> Um, because it really should be at this point. It's been a league for too long to not be uh, interesting. 
Also, real quick update, just got an update from Bleacher Report that Dallas Keigel threw seven scoreless in his first minor league start. He hey. gave up one game. So we spoke what about that a little earlier guy. in the podcast, but uh, just wanted to bring that up. Anyway, WNBA, uh, last week I'm sure you guys remember that Steve and I both picked two uh, women's National Basketball Association teams uh, to root for, one from each conference. Um, my number one pick was the Las Vegas Aces. Who mm-hmm. are two and two and three right now? Not a terrible start to the season, close to five hundred. Uh, shout out to my girl Kayla McBride from Notre Dame, having an MVP caliber season so far. Seventeen points a game, five rebounds, two assists, shooting fifty three percent from the field and sixty percent from three, and ninety percent, ninety two percent from free throw. Mm. So that's some crazy stats right there. Oh yeah, <laughs> for uh, for the beginning of the season. Um. You know, they, they they had a couple tough games. Uh, they started off the season 0-1. That was when we last uh, caught up with them. And uh, since then, they have had, you know, some successes. They've gone 500 since last week. So, you know, that's some improvement. Um, unfortunately, they play the New York Liberty on the 14th. So that is uh, four days from now, so Thursday. Mm. or Friday, and those are both my teams. <laughs> but the New York Liberty are, I'm pretty sure, in dead last. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I might be rooting for the Aces in that game. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, you want to talk about the Liberty bef- a little bit before? Or... Um, I don't really know that I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, they, uh, they're okay, I guess. They're just very, like... They're a New York team. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. <laughs> Perfect. That's you know? not the Yankees. No, they're a, they're a New York team that's not the Yankees and not the Nets this year. Mm-hmm. But they are the Nets every other year. <laughs> they're one and four right now. Oof. So they're actually one spot behind the Aces because they're tied for 11th, I guess. And the Aces are in so solidly in ninth place. Um, I did not realize that there was only 12 teams. So that like poses for a lot of like inner competition that you play a bunch of teams a lot of times mm-hmm. you get to see everybody a lot it you know makes games a little more competitive as the season goes on you learn tendencies uh, and sparks a lot of more uh, a lot more adjustments right um i would like to say shame on my former self because i was going to pick the connecticut sun as uh my uh eastern conference team or eastern team um and they're in first they're place. they're they're five and one <laughs> they've won three oh i'm done um but anyway, shame on shame on past John. Uh, but we're here. We're riding with the Aces and the Liberty. Um, so the Liberty one and four. You know, one game from being two and three. One a couple bounces here or there. Um, despite the fact that they have, I'm pretty sure almost all ten point losses. Yikes. Um, <laughs> oh no, they they should have beaten the Sparks. They were they lost by five. The Sparks. And they lost on a buzzer beater to the Fever at home. First, okay, yeah. first so, game, first game of the season. Yeah, yeah. There was a rookie that made her fir- her first game. She had a buzzer beater <laughs> to, to to knock off the Liberty. So really, they should be three and two right now. Yeah, um, but they they had potential to be three and two. So mm-hmm. you know, early in the season jitters. Yeah, you'll get them out of your system. Hopefully. Um, right now, their Tina Charles is their leading scorer. Mm-hmm. She's one of the leading scorers in the league. She is their one of their their uh, people down low. Um, she is averaging 23 points, nine rebounds, and uh, 42% from the field. Mm. 10% from three, not great. But 90%, from, 90% from the line, though. Yeah, that's good. 
So uh, that will get the job done. Yeah, her former uh, teammate at UConn, Bria Hartley, is only averaging nine points a game. She was one of my standouts and then my uh, my preview of the team uh, last week. Mm. But um, you know, there's a, there's a large point discrepancy between Tina Charles and the rest of her team. She's averaging twenty three, and everyone the next highest scorer is eleven. Right. So she's clearly dominant right now. Um, she's going to be their their key to victory. Their uh, the New York Liberty Patrick their Patrick Ewing, if you will. Um, and people are going to have to step up to be John Starks now in Houston. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, early in the season, we're riding with them. We'll see how it goes. Might have to switch teams in season. <laughs> <laughs> well, a good team to switch to if they're in the Eastern Conference, which I believe they are, is the. Do they have conferences. Yeah, so it's Eastern and Western. Okay. Yeah, six in each. Uh, six in each one. Okay, because I clicked on the uh, <laughs> the teams page on the WNBA dot uh, com, and they uh, it was very like <laughs> bunched together or, uh, the standings, and it was all like it was just the league standings, I guess. Oh, okay. But there's a, there's other options, so there there are conferences, right? But the Indiana Fever wouldn't be a bad one to uh, pick. I'm going to start off with them just because I was in Indianapolis this past weekend. Uh, in the NCAA national office, just uh, you know, flex a little bit and <laughs> humble, humble, brother, okay, a little, brother, just right. just a little bit. And I went to a Fever game. Um, they play in the Pacers arena, which was good to see, because it's nice to see that they're not like the Liberty where they play in a smaller arena because they got kicked out of a bigger one. <laughs> um, they whomped Dallas, uh, seventy nine to sixty four. The Fever had four players in double figures. Led by Natalia Chanwa, who had seventeen and eleven, mm-hmm. Candace Mitchell had fourteen and eleven, and Dallas Wings um, big played well. Her name's Isabel Harrison. She had eighteen and seven, and she was the leading scorer of the game. But they're the Dallas Wings just aren't the same team without Skylar Diggins. She's yeah. uh, on a maternity leave right now. They're hoping she comes back later in the season. But I mean, something like that. You guys take as much time as you as you can. Um, can. So mm-hmm. we'll see if it's just a down year for Dallas. But and I don't want to harp on them too much because I'm going to go right into the Mystics too, who played <laughs> who played the Dallas Sunday and got killed even worse. Um, not really sure what the final score was. I can look that up, but um, I know I know Washington scored 86 points, and oh, so 86 to 62. Oh yikes! Yeah, was not close. Um, Washington had five players in double figures. So Tiana Hawkins had 21 and six, six boards. Ariel Powers had 18. Uh, Elena Deladon had 14 points, nine rebounds, and four assists. Love it. Christy Tol- oh, yeah. Love to see that from Deladon. Just an absolute beast. Christy Tolliver had 14 points, six boards, and two steals. Natasha Cloud had 13 points, three assists, five rebounds. But I'm going to do a little quick math for you. That's 80 of their 86 points. Oh, and I'm assuming that these girls all started, <laughs> so I didn't get to catch the game. I was yeah. So so there's not a whole lot of bench play. Yeah, which I don't know if that's a huge thing in the WNBA. I'll have to do some research on that. Like, is that bad for the? Is that a bad omen for like the playoff push? Because do they need that bench play? Do they need the depth, or can you just roll with five and just have them score 80 points every night? Yeah, you might be able to rely on that. Yeah. Um, especially with Deladon in there. She's going to run the floor and, and really kind of control the tempo. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Um, but, all right, so good good start to the season. Yep. Um, we're looking forward to eventually getting to a game. We're going to hopefully get our YouTube channel up and running. Yeah. And we'll have the uh, the blog page up soon. We're, we're still finalizing some stuff. I have to 
figure out some uh, image copyright things right. to uh, make sure that we don't get sued. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. Um, but yeah. And just let me like go real quick with Seattle. So they played Sunday too. They lost 78-71 in Chicago. Um, they were under 40% from the field, which is not great. Not great. Uh, three of 18 from deep. Um, also not great at all. They were out-rebounded 45-22, to which ties their lowest mark of the season with rebounds. Mm-hmm. Natasha Howard was one of the lonely bright spots. She had 20-5, and five, her third 20-point game of the season, but she only had four points after halftime. So it's kind of like great start to the game, not too cash money afterwards. Very Joel Embiid style line. Very Joel Embiid style line. And Jew Lloyd, who's actually an Indiana native, balled out for her hometown crowd. She had 20 points and four steals. And Alicia, Alicia Clark is a name I'm going to uh, focus in on a little bit this season. She had thir- she was a plus 13 when she was on the floor. Or the Storm were plus 13 when she was on the floor um, on Sunday. She contributed seven points and four blocks. So not a great game, but like that defensive – power just in the, in the middle of the paint seemed to be seemed to be beneficial for the storm so uh, that'll be a interesting storyline to follow definitely definitely mm-hmm. um so love to hear about a team from seattle they're still not bad though they have uh three they're three and three they're they have a 500 record yeah so and so. domestics are four and one so they're they're both my teams are doing pretty good yeah so cry me a freaking room my teams are <laughs> my teams are basically in last place yep um but anyway that was make WNBA relevant again or relevant for the first time make the WA NBA relevant period. <laughs> yep. All right. So this is panic button. My panic button this week is the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, might seem a little bit out there of a panic button. Not too much you know, going on out of the playoffs draft season coming up. They have the third pick really no reason to be panicked. My panic button for the Knicks, however, is that they might not get KD or Kyrie, mm. and they're not going. They already haven't gotten Zion, right? And I don't know that they have the package to get Anthony Davis. Yeah, that's so right. it could be one of the funniest off seasons of all time, <laughs> um, because they were so like. You know, a lot of our friends are Knicks fans. I am a reformed Knicks fan. <laughs> I uh, I found Knicks I fan. found I found solace in a team out in in Los Angeles that now has LeBron James. Um, they did not have LeBron when I went there. It was Kobe's last year. I got to watch him drop sixty, and I said, "This is the team I'm going to root for after he retires." Mm. So, for all of the people who are thinking I'm a front runner, I'm not. Hmm. Um, I was with them when they were terrible. They were terrible this year too. Yeah. So nothing uh, new. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, anyway, it's going to be great to see Knicks fans kind of get their the wind taken out of their sails a little bit because they were very Laker fan-ish this offseason or this whole season, saying we're going to get this person and this person and this person and this person, and we're going to draft Zion. And in reality, Kyrie is looking like he's going to go to the Nets mm-hmm. or the Lakers. Probably. KD just followed a bunch of Lakers and LeBron's wife. I don't right. know if you saw that on Instagram. That's like a this league just, thing, but I'm just throwing it out there. I don't think he's gonna go to. The, I don't think he's gonna. I still think he's gonna come to just York. Just throwing it out there. But what also might end up happening is if the Warriors lose this finals, I think he stays. I can see that happening too. Yeah, that's why I think that's what triggered my panic button for the next. It's a very warranted was that. Par- oh, you go, you go. No, 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 I was gonna say like they. I I just don't think that they plan for the Warriors to lose. Yeah. And I don't think that they understand that that really ver- like validates Kevin Durant. Mm. As much as might, people might say it doesn't, 
like if you see them lose to a team like I mean the Raptors are a great defensive team and they're you know they have the star in Kawhi Leonard but um you know they're not the Warriors the Warriors have the superior talent and even though they were without KD people expected them to play better than they did and they really did not play well um you can blame that on KD not being there or you can blame that on the Raptors hounding D but uh you know I I think Kevin Durant not being there was a a, a piece of that. And I think people are going to see that KD coming back tonight. uh, He already has two threes in this game that has already started. Um, (laughs) But uh, him and Steph Curry have all of the points for Golden State right now. Jesus Christ. I mean, you can see the value of both of those players and how much they feed off each other. Um, And, of course, you consider that Clay would not be able to resign if they gave Durant the max. Um, That provides a little lead into the Lakers signing Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Just going to throw that one out there. Um, but panic button for the Knicks because they may not actually get anyone that they actually want this offseason, yeah. <laughs> which is going to be hysterical. No, it's a Steve dude. Stephen A's reaction the day that like July for or after free agency as the season starts and they have no one on their team would be one of the funniest things that I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it would be very, very fun to watch, but it's a very warranted uh, panic button. Because, I mean, I really think Kyrie is going to end up in Brooklyn. That one-two punch of D'Lo and Kyrie is going to be scary for years to come, too. Because D'Lo mm. finally came into his own. You don't think so? Uh, I, so, my thing is I'm not a huge believer in Kyrie. Okay. I'm not a huge believer in D'Lo either, based on my, like, Laker fandom. But D'Lo is also 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, 24 years old, I think. Maybe. 23. Um but also, like, the ball handling between the two of them, it's the usage rate is going to go so far down for D'Angelo Russell that he might not actually have the impact that he had this year, mm-hmm. which would be unfortunate because he had a really breakout year. Right. And I also am not sold that Kyrie is the player that everyone thinks he is. Okay. I think, he's a, I think he's a great compliment to another, like, a star like LeBron, where all the focus is on LeBron and Kyrie gets to do whatever he wants. Right. But Kyrie by himself is – or him being that star – that he gets all the focus is an unhealthy relationship for himself and his abilities on the basketball court. Yeah. I mean, like another big thing about Kyrie is he's got to start staying healthy. Like he, he really does. Um, Mm -hmm. It seems like the injury bug just keeps getting him year after year. Sometimes like he'll miss a few games a year, but then sometimes he'll miss major time. And Mm -hmm. this is something you don't want to see out of like a player that's going to be your star and your leader. Cause he's got to be out on the floor to be like that focal point. Um, I can see him being in the Lakers too, but I, I just can't see him in the blue and orange anymore. I don't want to see him on the Lakers. That's no, the thing. I wouldn't either because then you got to lose Lonzo. You got to lose some of those bench well, pieces. Well, we don't have to. You will, though. It, it stunts their development. Yeah. I think you and will. I, so my thing with that, so it, let's say they sign Kyrie. Mm-hmm. I, wanted, I would trade Lonzo for the sixth pick for the Bulls because the Bulls want him, and that's, that would be the deal. Mm-hmm. I would take the sixth pick. And then you have two picks to go after Anthony Davis and throw a lighter package at them because AD said today that he only the two teams that he sees himself long term with are the Lakers and the Knicks. Yeah, that came out today. Yeah, and I saw they're trying to work like a three a three way deal to get multiple teams in there and increase. Yeah, their... I don't know why. Well, I think it's because now they know that they have no leverage. Yeah, and it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because he's like one of those teams isn't gonna agree with the trade unless they're getting a lot of pieces in return too. So like they want a bigger package in return, but like. If say say you're the like the Lakers and the Knicks are the two other teams, if you're the Lakers when the Knicks get AD, you need like a lot more than you're giving up anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's gonna be like it's gonna be tough to do that three way trade. 
And yeah. but I do agree with you that there. Like if they do get Kyrie trading him, uh, trading Lonzo or to the Bulls and then trading those picks for AD, that's mm-hmm. that's a much better lineup that way than um, keeping Kyrie, keeping Lonzo, not trading for AD, and drafting whoever you draft, kind of thing. Yeah. And with KD, I completely agree with you. I think he might stay in Golden State because of this. But if he does leave, I can't see him going to the Lakers. I don't know why. Like I, the, uh, the whole following everybody on the Lakers and LeBron's wife kind of just seems like a, like I said earlier, like a this league moment. Like it's just gonna be, it's yeah, just like it's a, just something. To, it's like it's the same thing as someone buying a house somewhere. Yeah, people reading into something too much. But yeah. I, it's, if he doesn't stay in Golden State, I think he will end up in New York. I think he's actually fall, like starting to fall in love with the city. He wants to be his own team, but like this also kind of leads me into my panic button. But him, like the the Warriors play this year, kind of shows how much Katie meant for those two years in mm-hmm. Golden State. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to say, or nope, if you want, yeah. So I'll just go right into my panic button, which is Steph Curry's legacy. So I saw a tweet the other day. And it was 2015 to 2019, like all the finals that the Warriors made it to. And like what happened, like the result of each one. Mm-hmm. So 2015, the uh, Warriors win because Kyrie and Love are out. 2016, the Warriors lose because Kyrie and Kevin Love are back. Or not because, but like Kyrie and Kevin Love are back for the Cavaliers. They were a big part in that championship run. Mm-hmm. Um, 2017, win because of KD. He was finals MVP. 2018. Same thing. Katie's finals MVP. You can say he was the reason they won it. Mm-hmm. And then 20, 2019, Katie's out. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. We're going to go into our little NBA preview, even though we're recording this while we're watching the game. But <laughs> I'm going to say when people are listening to this, the uh, Raptors are finals champions or NBA finals champions this year. And that's Steph Curry's legacy. So the one year, the three years he won, the starting five for the Cavaliers that first year was Delamondova, Iman Shumpert, LeBron, Tristan Thompson, and Timothy Mozgov. Like, that, yeah. is, that is not a team to really, like, that's not a finals team, really. Like, <laughs> LeBron did carry them. And, I mean, that just shows LeBron and how his prowess was for all those years. And mm-hmm. still is. Like, he still, he's still balling out. But, um, and then they lost with Kyrie and Kevin Love back. And then Katie helped them win the other two. Like, it's not a great legacy for Steph. He's supposed to be – he's one – I'm a known Warriors hater. I'm starting to like the way they play. I'm mm-hmm. starting to really, like, enjoy their, their well, team. Well, without KD, it's great. Yeah. And even, like – yeah, I'm starting to like Steph Curry a little bit more. And it's tough to see that one of the best point guards of all time – I hate the way Draymond shoots. I'm sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the best point guards of all time. Like, his legacy is going to be tarnished by, like – Everybody on social media being like, oh, but Katie went, helped him win these. Oh, but Kyrie and Kevin Love were out for that first one. It wasn't really him. He wasn't even final. He wasn't finals MVP, right? Yeah, he wasn't even finals MVP then. No. Um, it's just He should have been over Iguodala. Yeah. But we'll pretend like that didn't happen. Yeah, speaking of Iguodala later, uh, I'll get into that too. But it's just tough to see that one of our best point guards, his career is going to be, I don't want to say tarnished, but like it's going to be looked at like under a shadow kind of of KD mm-hmm. because of how he helped them in those years. Yeah, definitely. So that's... Um, I mean, so one thing I want to say, though, is that even in this series, Steph is averaging over 33 points a game. Yeah, he's been balling out this series. And so it, like, 
if you look at the number, like you can say like, oh, well, they lost the series, but also like he literally had no help. Yeah, but and you can say like LeBron, same thing. Ooh, cookies. But LeBron does get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that stuff. You know, like and like the LeBron stands will like freak out and be like. Well, why does Steph get the argument that he has no help? It's because he's not LeBron James. LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time. Mm-hmm. He's the most physically gifted basketball player of all time. Mm-hmm. He's the, has the highest IQ probably of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he's literally an all the all time greatest player of all time. Mm-hmm. He's he's the like the the ultimate player, and to not to give him the benefit of the doubt is such a cop out. Mm-hmm. I think personally, because he literally showed that he can make anyone better. And, like, yeah, that finals lineup with Mozgov in it is horrible. That mm-hmm. was just bad. Yeah. But even, like, against KD and, and the Warriors, he had two all-stars on his team right. when he played with KD there. And, you know, it, it, hit or miss a couple shots here or there, in the, especially last year, and the finals might go a different way for him. For sure. Steph, Steph is different because he's not LeBron. He's not as physically gifted, and he still is putting up 33 points a game against, like, the best defensive team in the league. Right. The problem is, like, we see that, but a lot of the fans, the casual fans, the people on social media aren't going to see that. They're just going to mm-hmm. do the simple math. KD was here for these. KD wasn't here for these. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough to see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think Steph probably could have uh, probably could have gotten MVP last year. Yeah. But, um, I, all right, I mean, this is a great transition, though, into uh, – into our NBA Finals preview slash watching it now yeah. slash post view. I'm gonna say something really um, quick. Did you see Kawhi's N one right there? Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> that was ridiculous. How uh, did... that that double clutch was wild. Hey, I don't even know if he got fouled. To be honest with no, you, because like he got like he went right uh, through. Oh yep. yeah, he got him on yep. the shoulder right there. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I personally I I refuse to count the Warriors out. Yeah. Until I have to. Yeah. It's, um, it's... I was talking. I was playing basketball at the park. And I was talking to a couple of guys, and they were like, oh, I think the Warriors are finished, whatever. And I was like, I don't know if you guys should say that shit because you, we've, we've seen this, this story before with LeBron when they were down 3-1. And he decided, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to take the dub. And with KD coming back, it's a big – even if he's not 100%, he's a draw. Mm-hmm. So you can't double off of him because he's still KD, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what iteration of KD he's in. Right. Um, so, uh, even the defensive switchability and the length and the shooting that he brings, uh, Draymond's going to play the five. So, I mean, I, I really think it's going to be interesting. Toronto's going on a 9-0 run right yep. now, too. But, uh, I don't know. I would like to see the Warriors win just because I really hate Drake as a fan. <laughs> yep. Um, and that's really what's ruined me getting to watch the, the breakup of the Warriors dynasty, is that Drake is the other guy is he at this on the game? other side. Is he at this game right now? I think so, yeah. Okay. He has to be. I hope so. Otherwise, yeah, he's sitting courtside. I'm oh, yep, there he is. Right now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. What up, dude? See, I'm the other way, though, because I'd like Drake as a fan, so I want to see that. I, I think it's gr- the energy he brings is great. The, the outside antics bother me. Yeah, the only problem is, like, if they do win, the whole Drake curse is going to be canceled, and that's going to be tough to see. No, it's really not. I think it's really but, not. Like, how, but, like, how, how – so how – All right, so it cancels one of the championships that he blew for teams. Yeah. So eh. That's fair. So instead of five championships blown, it's four championships. Yeah, but you know, you know Raptors fans are going to, like, say it every time, like – or even just Drake fans are going to be like, oh, Drake curse, and they're like, no. He, like, Raptors won the championship. It's over. It's canceled. Yeah, but Drake fans are don't count. Yeah, so well, I'm a, I'm a I'm a Drake fan. I wouldn't say I'm a Drake like 
I only listen to Drake, but I, I you're not a Drake stan. I'm not so a Drake. The Drake stan. stands would be out in force. Yes, that is, that is very true. But speaking of uh, canceled, is it time to cancel Max Kellerman yet? I don't know, man. He's really riding this Kawhi train hard, and that's another reason <laughs> not I even don't want that. the Raptors to win. Not even that. Did you hear what he said about who he wants taking the final shot between Iguodala and Curry? Yes. Yeah, he's a moron. That was comedy. I mean, game listen, on. A... He came up. He came up as a boxing guy. Mm-hmm. So now he's just learning other sports. Right. And it's like if you don't know what you're talking about, you shouldn't be on a show talking about other sports. Right. You know, like, and I'm not saying I know, like, all the stuff that there is to know about basketball, because I clearly don't. But, like, if you think that you're going to take Iguodala on a clutch shot over Curry, you're insane. Because yeah. if you've watched Iguodala the last two games, he's been absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Wide open shots, missing all the time. Curry just got um, annihilated on that shot. But, uh... No, nah, Van Vliet was clean. <laughs> Yeah, clean, clean like that hole in his face from where Sean Livingston elbowed him. Uh, Didn't touch him. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I, I think the Raptors might pull it out, but I would like to see a Warriors comeback just to erase that narrative of the Warriors were up 3-1 yeah. to the Warriors and have now evened the scales and have come back from 3-1. Right. They're the only team to get beaten 3-1 and win 3-1. That'd be nice. Um, but one thing that will never stop is the Kawhi memes. For the, the finals, <laughs> one of my favorite, uh, there was a tweet and it was like, I bet Kawhi's like family doesn't even know he's like a basketball player. Like he just comes home for work and they ask him like, how's work? And like they say, he's going to come home with the finals MVP. And he's just going to tell him that he won <laughs> like employee of the month. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. man. I don't know if he, I can't tell if Kawhi is just a really, really weird guy or if that's just how the media is painting him. Oh, I'm going with really, really weird guy. <laughs> His laughs are absurd. Well, that, but also like the this like his trash talk, or even just like his conversation. Oh my god, he's a psychopath! Like when they were talking about uh, him doing, uh, he was he would watch Michael Jordan highlights for hours. They said mm-hmm. I saw this tweet, and when asked what he was watching, he would just say Mike Highs. <laughs> when he gets a rebound, insane. Yeah, go ahead. When he said when he gets a rebound, and he goes, "Boardman gets paid." That is yeah. the craziest thing I've ever heard. Boardman, Boardman, Boardman gets paid, and he has a he has a uh, pretty deep voice. Like, and he just says no when you're like trying to get around him. That yep. must be one of the most intimidating things of all time. Just no, yeah. like I oh, no, I'd just be like terrifying. no here here take this ball. <laughs> yeah, you can have it. It's okay. <laughs> I don't need it anymore. I wasn't I wasn't planning on scoring. Yeah, I, it was okay. I was uh, I didn't want to play anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Only other tweet I want to talk about with the the Kawhi memes. Did you see the one where it was like he ruined two dynasties, and somebody quoted it and said, "Well, he actually like it was a picture of him in the Spurs against the Heat, and then him against the Warriors in the series." Mm-hmm. And then somebody quoted it and exactly said, "Exactly what you're talking about." <laughs> somebody quoted it and said, uh, "No, he ruined the Spurs too, so that's three dynasties." And then yeah, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, do you think he stays? Uh, I hope so. Um, I hope so for the Toronto fans, because, like, I don't want to see Kawhi be, like, a journeyman, you know? Yeah. I like that he was on the Spurs for as long as he was, and I kind of wish he would have been the rest of his career. He just mm. seems like a one location kind of guy, you know? Right. Not like, I'm going to go here for the money, or I'm going to go here because I want to team up with people. It's going to be, I where's the best spot for me to win? And if I have already won somewhere, yeah. Yeah. Listen, if he goes anywhere else, I think it'd be the Clippers. But 
I think he's going to stay. I think, like, he's become such a big part of this fan base and such a focal point, which really stinks because it kind of discredits everything DeRozan did for them. Yeah. Did you see the past, like, years? DeRozan had to die so that the Raptors could live. Yeah, I saw that. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's so tough. I, I, can you imagine being DeRozan living or sitting in your house wherever he is right now, just being like, shit. Like, I, pro- I probably about- wouldn't. I probably wouldn't watch. Yeah, I just. Be, but he and I Kyle would, Lowry are still best friends, so. Yeah, I'd be turning on the emo rap music. I'd be listening to Juice World all night. <laughs> <laughs> playing like tiny violin music. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he stays. And I, I agree with you. I don't think he's. I don't want to see him being a journey, journeyman. But if he does leave, that's four dynasties, quote unquote dynasties he ruined. Because <laughs> that's Because then the Raptors will be. Yeah. <laughs> they will have nothing to do. Like they'll be like, "What do we do now?" Like yeah. Get, they'll go. Get, if he leaves, I bet they sign Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that'd probably be a bad decision. Yeah, especially with, that's a down. That's a downgrade from DeRozan. Oh yeah. Especially with in my opinion, Kyle Lowry not being a, the greatest shooter. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, Although Jimmy OG Ball. Ananobi and Pascal Siakam could kind of like equal like put together, they're probably close to Kawhi. Yeah, in terms of in terms of production. Yeah, I'd love to see uh, OG take another step because I'm a big Indiana guy because of him and Yogi Ferrell. But... He's active for the season. Yeah, for the series, which is... he just hasn't played, mm-hmm. which I think is probably safe. Yeah, I mean, um, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. So, all right, potentially the final prediction for the NBA season for games at least. What are you saying for tonight's game? Do the Raptors close it out? I'm going or with the Raptors. Does the season continue? I'm going with the Raptors close it out. All right. Um, and Kawhi wins Finals MVP. Obviously. Okay. I'm going to lo- say Raptors in seven. Okay. I think that Golden State could win back-to-back games, especially with the ramp back. Oh. Um, but I'm going to go with a different direction. I'm going to go co-MVPs, Danny Green and Serge Ibaka. Okay. Okay. Well, they're they're like the un, they're going to be the unsung hero MVPs. But because gonna... literally with without them in game 3 and 4, mm-hmm. there's no there's no win. Van Vliet is wild. He is hacking Steph Curry nonstop <laughs> and then complaining that he didn't foul him. <laughs> and Steph Curry's still averaging 33 points a game. Look at this. Like he's just grabbing his jersey. He's just, just yeah. he's holding on to his arm. Holding his arm. Like no comeback. And then, he's, and then he looks at the ref like, "What did I do?" Stupid. Well, he's probably a little yeah. disoriented still. Yeah, he's probably. I don't know how he's not concussed. Yeah, that's a big elbow. They're saying that the uh, Maple Leafs should sign Van Vliet. <laughs> <laughs> True hockey guy. Uh, but all right, so you think the Raptors are closing it out tonight? I'm gonna go Game Seven. We'll see. Uh, hopefully, the, the the people listening tomorrow will will have a better view mm-hmm. uh, um, and uh, enjoy our takes. But this has been uh, the latest episode of the OG. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we uh we we will see you next week I think yeah maybe or maybe maybe even later this week yeah maybe we'll try to get on later this week so all right all right see you later later guys. <laughs>